Praise the Lord. Well, I'm so glad that uh, my wife and uh, Alyssa are happy and excited today. Don't make me come out there. I'll, 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 huh? She tries. She's like, you know, because <clears throat> well, we, don't, we don't like to be Bible thumpers, but we will. And I got this nice hard, you know, now it is soft. It's a nice soft goat skin. I don't know if you know goat skin is a, a real good skin to have on your Bible. Amen. But when you get slapped with it, it doesn't feel so good. Hallelujah. Of course, I'm joking, but, uh, you know, we do need to be participants in what God is doing. Amen. And participation is always a choice. Amen. I said participation is always a choice. Uh, when we participate in the things of God, you know, I, I remember as I was growing up, you know, I was, I was in churches and praise God for the people, the, the godly people that, you know, but they weren't fully knowledgeable. Amen. They didn't get everything. And one of the things I remember growing up not really realizing is that God empowers us. Amen. Now, a lot of people, when they go to God in prayer, they pray that God will do something. But of course, we know that God already has done something. If you, if you read your Bible and you understand your Bible, or if you've come to this church for more than 15 minutes, you get, <clears throat> you understand that God uh, already has done all he's going to do. And so everything else has got to be is a, is a matter of us connecting to what he's already done and employing it into our lives. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. We got a parking lot full of cars out there today. Amen. And I always like to see that. Drive two cars to church if you have to. It makes everybody else look like we're full. So <laughs> even if we're not, we got a good number of people here today. But you, you, you know, it, <clears throat> huh? what's that? Yeah, don't carpool. Don't do that. It's a, somebody's going to buy a van and everybody comes in one vehicle or a bus and they'll be like, what happened to that church? There's only one bus there. That's weird. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> but at any rate, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, a car is useless to you unless you get in and start it. You know, you have to do something and that's all the tools of God are the same way. The things of God, you know, that joy that we're, that the Bible talks about, um, it is the fruit of the spirit, meaning that it's given to us already if we have the spirit. But we have to choose to activate the joy in our lives. And do we, do we choose to connect to it, you know, uh, or, or do we choose not to? And that's entirely up to us. And praise the Lord. With that, we're going to get into today's service, which is called a trivial pursuit. Amen. And it's, we're not talking about trivia pursuit. The guy, I didn't send you the scriptures again, did I? See, I always, I always forget to do that. What's that? What? What do I got? Oh, I got a string. I was like, is she? <laughs> praise the Lord. I, I said, I checked my zipper twice, so I know that's up. Glory to God. You know, there's, you just got to do that because uh, about the time you don't and it's down. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it is called a trivial pursuit. And uh, can you follow me, though, pretty good with scriptures? Oh, he's good on it. They're good on it back there. They're smiling and happy from the back. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But uh, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about our pursuit. Hey, look at that. He got that up quick. Man, he's like, do you spell it right? He did spell it right, too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Caleb, you're just, you're just on top of it. You're getting good. Amen. Good with stuff. It's good to see it. Look at that background he came up with all, all of a sudden out of nowhere. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, we're just going to have fun up here. I don't care about the rest of you. Like, what's going on in here? We're just enjoying. Amen. Joy's a choice. Hallelujah. Was I saying that? I don't know. 
a trivial pursuit, our pursuits, amen, we're going to be talking about that. And we had, we had a lot of interesting things happening, happen to us this week. And, and, and it's been, uh, it's been uh, quite the, the, the roller coaster of a week, actually. But not necessarily in a bad way. You know, God has taught us so much about life in, in general. I saw a bear. Did anyone see, did see that I saw a bear? Yeah, that was pretty, uh, at, at my house. So that was even uh, more interesting. This big, I was sitting in my back room there and I look, at, look out the back. I was just looking out the back window and all of a sudden this big black thing comes out of the woods and behind the, the shed, you know, and I was like, holy cow, that's a bear. And I never see bears up there. So I was excited to see that. So that was a blessing. Amen. But uh, there was a lot of other things that happened too. Uh, maybe some that weren't a blessing. No, they all ended up being blessings. Amen. God works all things together for the good. Amen. Just so thankful for that. Well, praise the Lord. I, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, I think I'm just going to preach the first two rolls here and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we can get the rest of you caught up. Amen. So we're talking about a trivial pursuit. Let's we're going to start over there in Psalm. Psalm is a good place to start. So let's go to 1611. <clears throat> Amen. Going the wrong way. Psalm 1611. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Psalm 1611 says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is, is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. You know, as we come to the Word so much, as we come to church, as we, as we uh, listen to different sermons or we study the Word ourselves, we, one of the things that we often see is a lot of correction. You know, we see a lot of things that are, are corrective in nature, and sometimes even as they're preached, we can receive them kind of as, as, as corrective in nature. And correction doesn't always feel good in the moment. You know, the Bible says to not, uh, not to despise the chastisement of the Lord, uh, because whom he loves, he chastises. Of course, that's the old way of saying it. But the, the, the word uh, chastise literally means to discipline. And, and discipline, you know, I think not too long ago I preached on that, what discipline actually means. Discipline means that you... You, you, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I always think about it in martial arts, it's a form of training. And what is training? Training, uh, especially in martial arts and stuff like that, or anything really, training is, is nothing more than, than, than different kinds of correction. You know, there's, there's, there's uh, you know, practice to do the right thing, but if you don't do the right thing, there's correction. And the correction varies as to what, what, uh, what's needed according to what's needed and what, what discipline is being learned. Amen. But uh, how many know that uh, the correction that the Bible gives us, the correction we get in church, all of that is about correction of life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so uh, uh, when, when the Bible says that you will uh, make known to me the path of life, that's exactly what this correction is about. Now, see what some people struggle with when they think about church or church things, and they, they think so a lot of times because of the way church has been handled over the years. It hasn't always been handled right. Um, you, you know, where people have used church as a way of suppressing people. They've used religion as a way of suppressing people from uh, being happy and being good or to control people. And there, there is a truth that uh, religion has been used, uh, has been exercised over the years uh, in order to do so. But, you know, uh, the, 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 that's never the intent of God. When God gives us correction, the correction is to produce something in our lives. And what we see here is this, the truth is, is that the correction is to uh, put us in the presence of God so that we can get into the fullness of joy. Yeah. 
God wants, he intends, he always has intended us to be in his presence. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. And so if you're not in any joy at all, the question is, are you even in his presence? And, and I would, I would, I would uh, gather that you're probably not. In fact, I could tell you most assuredly that you're not. Amen. Because when I come to the Lord, when even when the Lord corrects me, even when it's sometimes it's the most, the harshest of corrections he's given me, there's always joy that follows it. There's always his presence which follows it. And that's a sweet and wonderful place to be. And so that's the first thing we have to understand. Correction, scripturally, in biblical correction, is not about making us worse. It's about making us better. It's not about making us miserable. It's about bringing us into his joy. Amen? And so that's why even though things are, when we get correction and they're hard to yield to, sometimes we, you know, as we hear the different things or a message preached, we're like, ah, oh, this, this might, uh, this, this doesn't seem like the easiest thing for me to do, or maybe it's the thing I want to do the least, or maybe I just don't like it at all. I want nothing to do with it. But that doesn't change the fact that God wants to lead us into his presence. Amen. And he knows the way into his presence. And the number one way into his presence is, is to, to, to get away from the flesh. And what I mean by that is our natural tendencies, the way that we the, tend to live naturally. Amen. You know, in James 1.20, it says that uh, the, the righteousness of God or the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And literally that word wrath, uh, it, it can be translated as a natural disposition of the natural way that people uh, are going to react or live. And so what seems natural to us, you know, and, and I'm going to say this, we have a lot of different kinds of people in here today, a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. All of you were raised in some kind of different background, you had some kind of upbringing, and God brings us all together, you know, but uh, we have to understand that that background produces in us a way of life. You know, that whatever it is, and, and certainly in all those things, uh, there'll be good things and there'll be bad things. Sometimes there's more bad things than there were good things, but that's okay because you're at a good place now, coming to the Lord. And if you're coming to the Lord, you can have good things. Amen? So even if you came from nothing but bad, there's nothing but good ahead. But even if you came from nothing but good, there's nothing but better. Amen? And I like that. I, I like that God always is going to take us higher than whenever, wherever we were. How many want to live higher than where they were? How many want to live beyond what they were into before? You know, when you can think about your past, you know, it's a past we get hung up on. But see, the thing about a Christian, a true Christian, never doesn't spend much time looking at the past. Now, you, say, you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, you share your past with us a lot. Yeah, but you also notice that I'm also joyful about my future. I'm joyful about my present. That I can share my past from a standpoint that's not bothersome to me. I can share my past from a standpoint that's not bothersome to my wife. Why can I do that? Because we understand that it's not about my past or her past. It's about our present and our future. Amen? So it's what about, about what God is doing in us that matters. A Christian has no reason to complain. They have no place to be sad because if they understand who they are. You know, one of the things that the Lord started sharing with me last night was about how when we come together, uh, when we're, wherever we're at, that God does things in our midst. Like, like, so the miracles of God, the wonderful things that they did, that you should read about in the Bible, the wonderful things that Jesus did, he did in their midst. What does that mean? He did it in their presence. And the presence that he did it in was whatever presence they were at. It's like wherever they were, they might have just been, you know, they didn't expect to see Jesus come walking on the water, but he did. They didn't expect Jesus to all of a sudden turn, uh, uh, you know, five, was it five loaves and two fish or five loaves and three fish? I can't remember. But, you know, the, the loaves and the fish, he, he, they never expected him to multiply that. And he did that, but twice. 
not just once, but he did it twice. Glory to God. And then they didn't expect Jesus to, to, to necessarily heal, heal the eyes of the blind or open the ears of the deaf. deaf. And certainly they didn't expect him to call dead people to come out of the grave. But he did all that and he did it in their midst. And so what does that mean? It means that God is still doing, is going to do things in our midst. He's going to do things in the midst of our day, in the midst of our lives. Glory to God. Every single day we can, we can look for him. I never know what's going to happen. I never know fully what's going to happen with God. You don't know either. But if we know God, we can know this. It's going to be good. And that, that stirs me. That excites me. That actually uh, pushes me. A little bit every single day you know those times when I don't want to that's that's that force behind me that pushes the knowledge of those things amen at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore of course we know this is Jesus is at his right hand and guess who else is right there with him we are amen we're seated in heavenly places glory to God and so uh, so we have to uh, we have to understand that as we learn to enter that place all that he has for us is right there so as we learn to enter that place of the path of life, the, and that's literally what it is when he's saying the path of life, that life in his presence, that's what it's talking about. God is leading us into this place, amen? He wants us to get there. He has determined that we should get there. He's given us everything to, to be equipped to get there. But so many people don't get there. So many of God's people never get to, to that place. And the reason they don't get to that place is because they don't su truly submit themselves to him and follow that path. As we learn to enter that place, all that he has for us is there. You won't have to beg for it or fight for it. Do you know that's the thing? I don't have to beg God in my prayers. Yeah. Chirp, chirp, chirp. I mean, is that, I mean, honestly, I, I'm, okay, here we're going to get into a little bit of boldness. You ready? Yeah. Are we going to have that kind of service? Are we going to have the type of service where I shut it down because nobody's interested? We're teaching, we're talking about the path of life. You all want help. You want things for your life. You want God to do things in your life. Start getting excited for God in the local church. Start getting excited in this place. Start getting stirred up. Stir yourself up for God's sake. Because it's not going to just fall on you. You have to determine to walk things out with God. You have to determine that you're going to have the life of God. Because if you won't determine it, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to prophesy your future right now. If you don't determine in your heart to get excited about the things of God when they're presented to you on a silver platter, you will never have victory. It will never happen. Your life will not change. Stir yourself up. Start being a Christian. Start being what God has made you to be. Stop being a, a, honestly, stop being a spiritual wimp. Stir yourself up. Get excited about the things of God. This place was given to us. It was given to us, and God can take it if he wants to. And what I mean by that is this. If people don't respect it, if people don't want it, if they don't want to get stirred, if Christians don't want to do what God wants them to do, he will move on and find somebody else. He did it with the Israelites. He'll do it with this group too. Amen? Praise the Lord. And that's just the absolute truth. We have to determine in ourselves that we are going to connect to what God is doing or we will not have it. It's not going to just happen. See, so many people, they come into church and they think, oh, if I just come to church and just, it may be God's blessing will just fall on me. It's not going to happen that way. You have to reach out and grab onto it. What meal have you ever eaten in your life, except for when you were a very baby, that was dished out to you. No, you have to determine when you want food in your body, you have to determine you're going to go get it and put it in your mouth. 
Amen. And that's the same thing as we're feeding in church. That's the same, same thing about the local house, house of the Lord. Glory to God. When we, when we come to the house of God, we have to come stirred and expecting and excited for what he's going to do. Praise the Lord. Now, I stand before you, and of course, many of you have just heard the stories. You don't know my life before. You don't know how I walked in things. But listen, I didn't get to where I'm at. I didn't get out of depression because I just stood there waiting for God to bless me. I did it because I, I put the word to practice. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. That means if you don't do something about your faith walk, it will do nothing for you. Nothing. It will be, it will be worthless to you. You have to determine in your heart that you want change. Amen? Praise the Lord. We start off with the scripture, like you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is a fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If there is anybody that came in here sad, that should be a reason right there to give you hope for the future. And if, and if you look at that scripture, scriptures like that, you say, well, I say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not gonna, I don't have any hope for my future. Then you might as well not come. Don't waste your time because you're not going to get help until you connect to it, until you connect to what God is going to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Rebuke over. Uh, as we learn to enter that place, all that he has for us is there. You won't have to beg for it or fight for it. Prayer will become easy. You know why prayer is easy? Because it's not hard to talk to somebody that you're in love with. It's not hard to con uh, converse with somebody that, that wants to speak to you. And do you know that God wants to speak to your life? He wants to direct your life. He wants to help you in getting through the things that you're, get that you're going through. That's why he gave you his son. That's why he gave you the Holy Ghost. That's why he gave you angels. That's why he gave you the word. That's why he gave you a local church, and that's why he gave you a pastor. It doesn't happen out there in the world. You're not going to find the help out there in the world. If you're going to live in the world and live the way the world does and expect your life to still be able to change, you're just going to deceive yourself. Listen, my life did not change until I changed. It did not change until I changed. Until I saw, listen, this old way don't work. This way of doing things, banging my head against the wall, it's not getting me anywhere. Amen? Trying to run through and crash through doors that just won't open. Guess what? They still didn't open. Praise the Lord. They're big steel doors that were bolted shut. And I'm so glad they were. And so many times in my life I was, I was sad and I was upset because I thought, man, this door didn't open to me. And why doesn't God love me? And why isn't God doing things for me? And the, and the whole time it wasn't meant for me to go through. But we'll stand there looking at a door that doesn't open for us and wondering why it doesn't happen. God's saying, I got an open door over here for you. It's full of blessing. It's full of pleasures evermore. Glory to God. It's full of joy. This door is for you. You just got to walk through it. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But that's, that's what comes when we have all these things. And that's why we're talking about today a trivial pursuit. What kind of things are we, what are we pursuing in life? You know, it's like there, there, there's this balance of things that we have to strike. And, and it's not wrong to have nice things in life. But when our pursuit is life itself, we've, we're already off. Our pursuit should be God, and then he infuses life into us. The reason you can't find peace, the th reason you can't find joy, or the world can't, is because they're not looking for the, the path of life. They're looking for their path. They're looking for the path they want. You know, there's so much talk in the world about, oh, you got, you got to do what works for you, and you got to do what makes sense for you, and all that is garbage. It's garbage because what works for you doesn't ever work for you, does it? Or you wouldn't be sitting here looking for a different way. It's just the truth. You know, the, the reason that we come together is because we understand that there is something different for us. God has something more for us and that we can't find that on our own. 
that we don't just, so we come together, we congregate together to partake of those things which he has for us. This is not just, you know, so many churches, they meet together because it's their religious duty. That's what they do. They, they, they meet together, they have their meetings, people go, they're wholly uninterested. They come into church on Sunday maybe, and then the, or on Saturday sometimes, and then the rest of the week they don't, don't really live it. They just they come in, they do their religious duty, and that's it. They feel like they got some kind of spiritual brownie points just for showing up. And, and see, that's religious mindset. It doesn't do anything for you. And it's no wonder that those kinds of religions are dying, that those kinds of religions are stale because there's no power in them, amen? But we've, we, we literally walk and experience the power of God in our lives all the time. Yeah. Glory to God. Praise God, hallelujah. Let's go on to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6, 12. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 12. You know, there, there's a rebuke that comes and, you know, there's a few, only a few times I've ever had to threaten to close a service. I've never had to close one, but believe me, I would if I, had, if I felt that I had to because if it's just going to be ineffective, I'm not going to stand up here and work for it. Just the truth, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll go out into the world and, and preach to them and see, you know, find people that actually want it. But the reason that I bring that up is because of this, you know, we, it matters how we come. You know, you may come with stresses of life in your, in your life, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as Christians, especially Christians, you know, in, in, in here, we have a lot of different kinds. We have some that are uh, probably newer Christians or, or younger in the faith or aren't used to our, our flow or whatever. And, and in that, you know, there, there's, uh, uh, there, there are truths, that, things that they don't know. But the bulk of the church, um, the, the ones that do know, we should know. We should know that it matters how we come in, amen? It matters how, because the people, uh, the world isn't going to get what they need if we're constantly consumed with our trials, our problems. And the, one of the reasons that we're constantly consumed with trials and problems is because we're constantly consumed with trials and problems. We're constantly consumed with it. Amen? It's the thing that we've pursue, pursued. And you say, well, you might say, well, I don't pursue my problems. Well, if you think about it all the time, you're pursuing it. Yeah. That's what you're after. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Glory to God. Have you ever had a weird smell in your house? Yeah. Remember when we lived in, uh, in your house? Yeah. Amen? When we lived in Alyssa's house? Amen? Uh, over there in Price Street, when we, when we lived in that house, when, there, was a, there was a smell. And the smell wasn't good. It was a rotten, nasty smell. Now, when we come down the stairs... Uh, our stairs, uh, we had two exits from our stairs from upstairs, and, and Alyssa has two exits from her stairs coming from upstairs. Just sorry, I just gave away your secrets. Uh, one goes into the living room, and the other one goes into the kitchen. And the one that goes into the kitchen was the one that we use mostly. Do you still use that one, or do you use, use both? Okay, she uses both. She doesn't, she doesn't abide by the law of the house, <laughs> the rule of the household. I'm just kidding. You do whatever you want. You're, you pay the bills. Glory to God. But, uh, uh, but we come down into the kitchen... And it was like every, every once in a while, but often, we would come through that door and there was a, a horrible, horrible smell. It, it was, uh, but it was once in a while and we couldn't ever pinpoint where We looked all over for that. We couldn't find it. One day, it just seemed to get worse and we were finally like, we're gonna, I'm going to figure out where this is. And so we, 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 we tore that, the, well, I tore that kitchen apart. And I finally, I get the refrigerator moved out and I figure out where the smell was. It was a mouse that had died, but he had died right by the fan of the refrigerator. So the only time we smelled it is when it kicked on. Yeah. And so it wasn't kicked on all the time. And so whenever it would kick on, you just happened to be walking through, it was blowing that smell at you and that was death, amen? 
and, and, and that wasn't, uh, why did I get on this? Uh, I, I don't remember either. Anybody following me, amen? What's that? Oh, yeah, pursuits. So we were pursuing that smell, trying to figure out what it was, and finally, you know, we, we, we figured it out. But we, thanks, Jenny, by the way. <laughs> Glory to God. But, you, you know, whatever our pursuits are, the thing that we're after, you know, like when it becomes important enough to us, we really, really pursue it. Yeah. You know, that smell, we dealt with it for a little while. And that's the same thing in life. You may have a smelly life a little bit. You know, the fan kicks on once in a while and it smells up a little bit. And you're like, ah, oh, it's, it's bad. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. But, you, you know, I can get beyond that. Yeah. But every, every once in a while, you're going to get to a place where that smell has just gotten too much. You're just like, enough is enough. It stinks already. Yeah. The smell is too much. There's something dead in here. There's something yeah. that's not working. Yeah. You know what it's like to feel like there's something dead in your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so you got to learn to either do something about it yeah. or, to, or to live with the smell. Yeah. Amen? But what you pursue is what you're going to have. We could have kept having that shoot. Uh, Alyssa could be having that uh, smell to this day. Much worse. Much wor well, it's probably not much worse. By now, that thing would be petrified. But... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or blown away or something. Uh, dust in the wind. Amen. But uh, <laughs> glory. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, these things are really, I mean, we can see them in our lives. We know what it's like. But, you know, if something doesn't feel good, that's an, you know, God's given us the ability to feel. Do you understand that? He's given you the ability to be sad. Why? Because you, if you can be sad, then you can know, how, you can know to be happy. See, and if you can understand the difference between the two, then you can, you can, you can relate that you like happy better. You know, it's funny that uh, I've learned a little bit about training dogs even this week, and, 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 uh, uh, and that was one of the interesting things we got to see, but I learned a little bit about training dogs, but it works much better training a dog when you make them happy. Yeah. Amen? Dogs don't like to feel bad, and they're very simple creatures in that way, and they, 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 like to, they like to feel happy, and so happy is a reward. Happy will make them do what, whatever makes happy happen, right? And we want to make happy happen in our life too, right? I want to make happy happen. You want to make happy happen. Glory to God. And so that's why, that's why even if we need a few minutes of a rebuke, we can have an hour of, of happy happen, yeah. amen? And that's the same thing with, 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 the, with life in general when we look at it. When we're looking at life and it's sad, it's upsetting, and it's, it's not right, that's an indication to us that we need to try to get to happy. Because that's not the place where we're supposed to be. The reasoning it doesn't feel good is, you know, we, uh, we're so, I'm so thankful for nerves. Now, nerves also, also cause us to hurt. They make us feel good, but they cause us to hurt. But that pain we feel is a good thing. Now, uh, when I was 18 years old, I was in a car accident, and I had my, my arm crushed in a, under a vehicle. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I had pieces of the bone sticking through and all that stuff. And I had to have all these surgery, uh, a surgery, and to have my arm reconstructed. And I had a, you know, a, a titanium plate put in there with screws and everything to hold it all together. Never even had a cast because they had to do all that. But on this backside, if you've ever seen my bare arm, if, if you haven't, you can look at it sometime. I'll show you afterwards. But on the backside here, I have this big scar that originally was a, like a, about a quarter inch or deeper hole in my arm that we would have to, at the time, we had to pack full of gauze soaked in saline solution to, to get it to, was it saline solution? Yeah. What do we have? To get it to, yeah, it was, it was pretty nasty. And uh, so we had to do that, uh, and, and 
after that finished healing and, and scarred over, I, it, it's dead. I don't have any feeling there. And I remember one time uh, when I was working this job, uh, the, the, uh, I was working in a lumber yard and my boss, uh, he kind of do jerky things to me once in a while. But back then I was a, I was a smoker and he, he would smoke once in a while with me and stuff. And so we were, uh, it, we, we, we were out back sitting there having a cigarette, taking a break. And, and he took a, I, I, I was talking, wasn't really paying attention, but I was sitting next to him and he took one of those cigarettes and he just put it right. Cause he, he knew that it was dead and he wanted to see if it was really dead. So he put that cigarette right up next to it and I didn't feel it at first. I, all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden I started feeling burning down in because not all the nerves are dead, just the surface nerves. I started, once it started really burning down in, then I started feeling it. And I was like, I was like, oh, what the heck? You know, I was like, what are you doing? And, and he was just being fun. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, those nerves, the nerves that we have, even though they, they, they were very painful when, when they got injured and stuff like that, those nerves that, that we have there, they, they, um, they, they, they're helpful to know that. And they keep us from, from having greater injury or, or you know, more permanent in injury, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so it's the same thing with life. Our feelings, our emotions that we experience, they're there to help us realize and recognize that something needs to be fixed. Yeah. But if we never fix it, if we never do anything about that, then we're not going to be fixed. We're not going to partake of that. Amen. And so, uh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we need to get moving. Second Corinthians six twelve. <clears throat> this scripture just kept rolling around my heart this week, roll around my heart this week. And that's where the message came from. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. You are not restrained. You're not uh, another way of saying this is you're not limited by us. You, you, you aren't limited by the word that we're preaching. That's what he was saying to the Corinthians. But you're, you're, you're limited or you're affected by your own affections. You're controlled by your own affections. You see, the thing is, is what limits us in life is not what the word is doing, not the truth of the word that's going to help us grow. What limits us in life is our own affections. It's how we receive the word. It's what we do with the word we receive. It's how we receive the things of God or what we do with them. It's how we look at life and how we receive the things of life. Amen? Glory to God. It's not about... Uh, we have to understand that it's, it's not about having preferences. And that's really what this message is about, is our own preferences. But it's about being controlled by them. You know, there's a big difference between having preferences and being controlled by preferences. Everybody in here is gonna have their own preferences. I like this color, I like that color, I like this flavor, I like that flavor. You know, I, I like sushi, Erin Roman, she's sitting here, she's close by, praise the Lord, she's tuning in, but she uh, she doesn't like sushi, and, and, and she would say, like, she would let us know that right now. Right, she's probably saying something right now, amen, uh, about it, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And that's good. Amen. Hi, Aaron. We love you. Everybody say, hi, Aaron. We love you. Glory to God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, uh, you, you, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, there's different preferences, so it's not, uh, preferences don't matter, but being controlled by our preferences do. And I noticed that one thing as I grow in the Lord that God continually does in me is, is to help me not have to be controlled by my preferences. He doesn't mind if I have things I, uh, he, that I like. And of course, he likes it when I have things I like. But when we're so controlled by our preferences, it's hard for us to, to, to walk in things that we don't like for a time to make something else happen. And really what God is leading us to is that place, amen, of, of, of getting us to that place where preferences don't control us, just don't control us, amen. 
Now, uh, Jeremiah 17, uh, 9, uh, I, I want to just pull this up and go ahead and uh, you know, write it down if you want to take notes and go there later. Je Jeremiah 17, 9, we're going to read 9 and 10. It says, The heart is, is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Go ahead, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. What is he talking about? He searches the heart and looks for what we give to our preferences. If, it, it, you know, according to his ways means, you know, what's controlling us? God will allow us to have what controls us. Now, the things that aren't godly, the things that are, are, are uh, kind of anti-God or anti-scriptural, the things that the world does, God isn't going to bless those things. But he will let you have them if you want to have them. You know, I, I see this over the years. I see Christians that, that you know, they are people that become Christian, they get excited, and then they start backing away because things aren't always easy. But you know what? Life wasn't always easy. But they forget about that. And they start backing away from things and they start going back, returning to their vomit, so to speak, to go back to the things that caused them the troubles before. They start, and maybe a little bit at a time, but they start returning to their old ways. God says he'll let you have it. He's going to make you stay faithful. He isn't going to make you stay connected. He isn't going to make you uh, stay blessed. Hallelujah. But God's blessing comes from being connected to him. His blessings are in his presence. They're not in the presence of the world. You knew that already. So why on earth would you go back to it? No rational person, like even a dog, if, 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 and I wouldn't suggest this, but if, you, if every time uh, you, you, you uh, were trying to train a dog to come to you, you punched it or kicked it, right? And there's people that do stuff like that. But if you did that every time, guess what that dog wouldn't be likely to do? It wouldn't be, now are you as, at least as smart as a dog? Right? Are we at least as intelligent as a dog? Well, we should be, probably, right? So why, but why on earth do we always return to the world? Like sin was, was really did that with that much for us. So you love sin at the moment. When you were doing something in the moment that was sinful, you enjoyed it. But what does it really do for you? See, that's the thing. It's, it's the effects of sin. And really, generally speaking, in a local church, especially when people first come, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people that come wanting relief from the effects of their sin. And the first relief that you're going to get from the effects of your sin is learning to stop sinning. You got to stop. If you don't stop sinning, if you continue on the path that you're going, then, then you're going to continue to have. Now, you, you might sit there and say, well, I'm not overly a sinner. You know, I might miss it here or miss it there. Listen, it's, sin isn't just, the Bible says that whatever is done apart from faith, in other words, whatever you, whatever you do that you can't say God absolutely approves of this action is, is called sin. Anything you do apart from faith is sin, right? Praise the Lord. Isn't that over there in uh, Romans 14, what, around verse 20, it's the last scripture in, in Romans 14, I think. Whatever is uh, done apart from faith is sin. So whether you eat or drink, no matter what you do, if you can do it saying God would absolutely 100% approves of it, you can do it in faith. Now, <clears throat> that doesn't mean you can sin just saying that because there's a lot of people that go out there in the world that says, hey, I do this, I live this sinful lifestyle and God approves of it. Well, they've got themselves so callous. You know, we, have, we do have to weigh it with the word as well. Yeah. 
But if you're a hearer of the word, somebody who sits in church, somebody who listens to, you know, that studies the word. How about that? <clears throat> there's Christians, <clears throat> excuse me, there's Christians that take a swig of water while they're talking. There's Christians that uh, they go to church, they, they, they believe in God, they like to hear the word uh, preached to them, but they don't ever read the word. Those are Christians that aren't going to do very well in life. Why? Because if you don't read the word, you're not having a constant supply into your life. If, if you're a Christian who never, never seeks God, never prays, never asks God anything, you know, except for when you need something. I'm not talking about, when I'm talking about praying and seeking God, I'm not talking about, oh my God, I'm in all this trouble, Lord, I need your help. That's not prayer. That, that, that's, that's throwing something out there trying to get a bone. Uh, and, and God will, see, God... God will preemptively answer your prayers. In other words, before you even need to pray him. The Bible says he, has, he knows what you need. Praise the Lord. And so uh, God is looking out for you ahead of time. And so our prayers need to focus on is other things. But Christians won't read the word. You know, but their heart is sick. And that's exactly what the Bible is saying. It's deceitful and desperately sick. It's deceitful above all else. Our affections are really what that heart is. That heart of affections is what it's talking about. It's not talking about your, your, your heart, uh, just in general, the thing you love out of and stuff like that. But it's your, your affections, the things in life, the things that you, uh, you deem important, your desires and stuff like that. They can be deceitful. And that's why we have to weigh them with the word, why we need to balance them with the word. Amen? We're going to see this here in a minute, but, but the truth of the matter is, is we have to learn to deal with those things. And that's why it's, sometimes it's good that we just don't have our preferences. Sometimes people in the church say, well, you know, I, I prayed. And this is one of the problems sometimes I find in faith circles, faith church circles, yeah. churches that teach faith. It's because sometimes people get a little bit led astray, and maybe uh, not even necessarily by the, the pulpit, but they just do in their own thinking. Faith is a way of obtaining things. Faith is a way of walking in God's highest and best. But, and there's a lot of truth that when we have faith that God will uh, bring things to us through our faith, there's lots of truth in that. But I want to be careful because I also want you to know something else. Uh, uh, faith, uh, faith is not uh, a license to get everything that you want. Some, some people teach that, 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 you know, whatever you have on your, is your desires. The, you know, whatever you want from God you just believe that you have it and you can have it. That's not true. That's, that, that principle is so anti-scripture and founded in doctrines and demons, I can't even tell you, it's crept into good churches. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that we throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? right? We're not going to just throw everything out and say, well, then faith can't get you anything and it was just everything that happens is just by accident. But we have to understand that we don't get to claim everything in life. God has certain things for us. You know what that is? That's being restrained by our affections. When you, when you only can have or you only have what you want and you won't be happy unless you get that. Amen? That's being restrained by your own affections. And that's being completely sidetracked from what the gospel is all about. Jesus didn't say, come to me and you get every little thing that you ever wanted and desired. I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. Right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Who is that? Uh, Napoleon and Pedro? No, Pedro and Napoleon, right? Uh, pra praise God. Hallelujah. Make all your wildest, you vote for me and make all your wildest dreams come true. That's not what, Jesus didn't have a vote for me and I'll make all the wild, your wildest dreams come true. That's not what it is. Jesus says, connect to me and I'll be a blessing in your life. Yeah. 
I'll be a blessing in your afterlife. I'll be a blessing for eternity for you. Faith walks, you know, the way of faith walks and says, no, God wants to bless me. I know that, right? That he's not giving and taking away, so to speak. Amen? Praise the Lord. He's not the builder in the wrecking ball, right? That's not God. That's not what God is doing. He's not trying to destroy your life after he builds it up just to teach you a lesson. But God will bring you through processes sometimes to eliminate your preference, to get your preference under control. And a lot of times they'll be geared towards the things that you prefer the most. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want you blessed. And so we have to understand that. My Lord. There are so many areas in life where I see this in good Christian people. But I want this. But this is the thing that would bless you. Yeah. See, <clears throat> the thing is, <clears throat> God knows what will bless us. Yeah. More than we know what will bless us. So then when we arbitrarily just go to God and we're like, oh, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this to look this way, this got to be this way, and I want this color, and I want it this flavor, and I want it da, 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 da. I want him this tall. I want him this, to act like this. Or I want her just like this. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, God knows what we need. He knows exactly what that is. And, and, and to get, be these people of faith that just constantly uh, are, are going after our own desires and what we want is, is a misinterpretation, misunderstanding of the word. Praise God. And we're going to see this here in a very good example. Go ahead and turn to Mark 10, or, yeah, Mark 10 17. Praise the Lord. Mark 10 17. Of course, we know this is the account of the, the rich young ruler. It's interesting to me because there's been some things in my heart, and then I was in a conversation this week, and the person I was in a conversation with uh, brought up this account and show, was showing me something, just telling me something that they saw in it that they hadn't seen before, and I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, but it was, it was right in line. This account was, uh, so I got into it, started reading it, and this is right in line with what the Lord had been dealing with me on some things, uh, you know, with preferences and stuff like that. And so we see this here, uh, starting in verse 17, it says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good alone. Uh, no one is good except God alone. Now I want to share something with you real, right here because this is a good, just a good teachable moment and this is something that I learned. You know, it all, always bothered me this statement because I'm like, why would Jesus say, you know, and some people try to twist this and say, uh, see, uh, God, or Jesus wasn't saying he was God or whatever because God is good alone. And that's not what he was saying. I mean, he was asking the guy a question. See, the guy approached Jesus with all the, 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 the right kind of attitude. But notice how he, how he addressed Jesus. He addressed him as teacher. He didn't address him as God. And so he, the, Jesus was literally responding to his address first. He said, why do you call me good? Nobody is good but God alone. And so he's putting something in his head. It's a little freebie, right? Freebie, no charge. That's what Jesus said directly after. They just didn't record it. So this is free, no charge, amen? But that's exactly what he was saying. He's like, why do you call me good? What do you see in me that's good? Right? Praise the Lord. So it makes a lot more sense that way, right? So Jesus was comparing, he was actually, it wasn't that he was denying he was God, he was actually saying I'm God. Yeah. But he's saying, why do you, why, or what do you see? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. You know, when I was uh, I was teaching, uh, talking last night about uh, 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 praise God. Well, I just lost it. If I come back to it, I'll, I was teaching a lot of stuff last night. Amen. But it was different. Praise God. Uh, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do, uh, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. What is Jesus doing? He's answering with, with, with the Ten Commandments, essentially. He's going through those, right? And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack. Now, this is the prophetic nature of Jesus kicking in. One thing you lack. Go and sell all you, all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. I want to stop here for a minute because this is another scripture that people so often take out of context. See, Jesus doesn't want you to have anything. Jesus didn't want you to, yeah, he didn't want to, yeah. that had nothing to do with it. It had absolutely nothing to do with it. What Jesus was addressing, and we're about to find that out, what Jesus was addressing is this man's own personality, his own personal preference. These were his, uh, the things that he was restrained by. This was the thing that was keeping him. See, he was coming to God, how do I, you know, uh, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I get, uh, you know, uh, what, you, what you're offering, essentially? And he's saying, you have to break from who you've been. Looking at him, Jesus, well, I read that. Uh, but the, at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard is it? Or how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? Now one translation uh, says it like this, uh, and I appreciate that, uh, but it says, How hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? How hard is it who's, who, you know, and, and that's the way a lot of people are. If they, you know, they, they'll, they'll serve God when things are going right, but as soon as tri trial happens, they start, stop serving him. Yeah. What, is, what, what, what is essentially happening there? Now, it could be just that there's trial that's coming on you, but it could also be this. It could also be God saying to you, sell all you have. I'm not saying literally sell all you have, but you understand, metaphorically speaking, pointing out to you this is the thing that's got you. God doesn't mind. God will take care of you. He's promised that. Do you trust him? Do you trust that God wants to take care of you? He has promised that he will absolutely take care of you. He's never left you never, nor forsaken you. God will be with you. But see, when we doubt God because something bad happens, what that does to us is it reveals to us a place where our hearts are wrong. <clears throat> when we doubt God because now trial has happened, that's what happens to so many people. <clears throat> trial happens in their life and then they want to walk away from God. Oh, I don't think this works anymore. You didn't even give it a chance. You, you, you didn't prove it out. You didn't, you didn't actually ever give your heart over to God. Listen, what, what, is it, what, what is it that you became happy for? You know, and this is where the whole stirring yourself up thing comes about. Because so often it's trial that moves us away. But a lot of times if we're open to it, I've found this more times than not that a lot of times the trials I'm in were brought about by my own doing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. Yeah. 
a lot of times the things that I suffer were brought about because of my own doing. There are things that I did. And what God would allow in my life is he would allow me to go. Will God allow you to go through trial? Absolutely, he will. God will absolutely allow you to be in trial. You know why? Because you need to see some things sometimes. And sometimes those things that you need to see is what, what the hole that you're digging yourself into. <clears throat> you know, I can't tell you how many times I've given people spiritual advice. Good scriptural, founded on a basis of scripture. And they've gone out and they've done exactly the opposite. And then they come to me later on when everything is falling apart. And a lot of times, just because I'll be good to them, I don't sit there and say, well, see, I told you so. But the truth of the matter is, I told them so. And a lot of times I told you so. Listen, if you, if, if you don't stay away from certain things, if you embrace the world and all the world has to offer you, you will have what the world has. When the world has death, you'll have death. When the world has destruction, you'll have destruction. <clears throat> you know what I found for our lives? we're always taken care of. There's times where it looks like we have nothing. And you know what the Lord always reminds me of those times? Good, this is a great time where you can trust me. That's exactly what it is. And you know what I do? I always go back to them and have thus far, otherwise I wouldn't be standing here today. I always go back to that place of trust in Him. And you know what I always find? Peace. Joy. Why? Because I'm not going to be moved by what I have or don't have. I'm not going to be moved by what's good or what's not good. You know, I, and, and there's times where I'm shaken. Don't get me wrong, just like you, we get shaken. But there's a difference between being shaken and being utterly moved or destroyed. We should not be utterly moved and destroyed. If we're going to stop trusting God or that God's good just because we see trial in a world where Jesus said there will be trial. I have come to overcome the world, but there will be trial. John 16, 33. Glory to God where he said that, I, I, uh, he said, uh, you know, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What was he saying by that? In the world you will have trouble. But, the, but why do Christians act like this when something happens? Oh God, oh God, where's God? Blah, 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 blah. He was there all along. He knows you're in trouble. He hasn't left you or forsaken you. But your, your absolute insistence that maybe he has could be your demise. Because that's the place where you choose to stop trusting God. See, the same thing is with here. And, and Jesus is going to go on to explain some things to his, his, his disciples that are, 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 are very, very eye-opening. See, the time where we think we have to give up. Have you ever been faced with a time where you come to God and you realize there's stuff you have to give up? And that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. But see, the thing is, is the things that you give up for God never hurt you. They never take away from you. And God doesn't let you go without forever. Amen? <clears throat> but at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And just so you know, everybody who's sitting in this room today is wealthy. You live in this country. You have a full supply for everything that you need. If you've eaten three full meals any day of this week, you are already in the majority of this world. Praise the Lord. Just because we might not be American wealthy doesn't mean we're not wealthy. And that doesn't mean that God wants you to be okay with just, you know, uh, you know third world country wealthy. But, uh, he, you know, uh, but we have to put things in perspective. We have to understand. My wife and I have talked about this a million times. Like we, we talk about people that in finances, stuff like that. You know, when people come with financial problems, I found this across the board, that there is almost never a true lack. I don't think I've ever seen a place where there's a true lack of money in people. It's almost always in how they manage it. 
And the same thing with God, you know, with people, I, I, I've said this about people in, in talking in, in just, you know, in conversation or whatever. I, you know, I can tell, uh, you know, I, I can't tell. I don't know if everybody in here, I don't know what people give or how they tithe and stuff like that. I don't know what each individual person does. But I can tell you this, I know by a person's life, I can know by a conversation whether or not they do. Yeah, right. And how do I know that? Because if a person has no idea what they truly have, I remember uh, there was this time where I had this, uh, this person who was always, always in need, right? Always wanting money, always needing money. And they weren't asking the church for it, but they were always in need of money. Um, and they always were complaining about never having enough. And then I noticed, started noticing some things in their life. I started noticing that uh, uh, one of the ways that they lived was, was uh, they, they got a lot of tips. That was one of the things with their job. They got a lot of tips. And you know what I noticed? They, they didn't include that in their income at all. They didn't even have any idea how much that was. They said that to me. <clears throat> and <clears throat> when you, if you live that way, I'm just going to tell you, that you're not being a good steward of your money because you have no idea what's coming in. You know, how, do you know if you're, how do you know if you're giving good? I'm not even talking about this. You're giving good in the world. We'll say that. Just, let's, say, let's just say you want to be a generous person in the world. So let's take church completely out of it. How do you know you're a generous person if you don't even know what's coming in? You don't. And, and, and I, I'd seen this person do things like, like waste money on things like crazy things. And I'm like, my wife and I both work two full-time jobs and we couldn't spend that, mon that kind of money on things. And yet you're always crying poverty. I don't have money for this, this, uh, you know, this thing or that thing. At the time, I think it was a medical bill even. And so it's like, but that, these, these are realities that people live with, right? I'm not, I'm probably saying something that you either heard of, maybe not from this person. It doesn't matter who this person is, but like this person, any person, how many people have you talked to like that? Um, I, I have a brother that's a, a, a dentist and he said to me a lot of times, you know, he's like, well, people, people come to me and they'll talk about how they don't have enough money to fix their teeth, but then they have have thousands of dollars worth of tattoos fresh tattoos all over them yeah. well I'm just gonna tell you the truth like that's that's called poor stewardship you know what I mean I mean I wouldn't probably suggest to go out and get one anyways but if you did you better make sure that your bills are paid first or that your teeth are taken care of you know and that's just the, that's the truth a lot of people are like oh I don't have money for this or don't have money of that and they have a you know a face full of metal you know because it's they've gotten all kinds of piercings this is the way the world lives you know, they're like, oh, I, I don't have money, but do you, they couldn't tell you how much they just spent when they stopped in the gas station. How many times have we stopped at a gas station and spent $10, $20? You do that four or five times a day, yeah. right? I mean, seriously, how many times people do that? I remember a time when I didn't have any money and I would go through Tim Horton's drive-through about 10 times a day, yeah. literally about five times a day. But I would go through Tim Horton's drive-through five times a day. I had a pickup truck. I'd throw the, all the empty cups in the back just to see my collection. Fill that pickup truck back at the back of the pickup truck. Someone, that's how I got rid of them, too. I wasn't living real sanctified back in the day, you know, because it was an open pickup truck and just, you know, I don't believe in littering. Please believe me. Amen. Glory to God. That was the old me. But you, you, you know what I'm saying? But like if you don't, if you have, a, you, you know, if you have no idea what's going on in your life, how do you expect God to bless that? Like, well, Lord, bless me. It's like, well, you're not even being faithful with what you have. How do you know? Because you don't even know. You don't even know what you have. You don't even know what your need really is. And see, that's how so much of this world lives. Oh my gosh, it's across the board. How many times if, uh, uh, you, you, you know, people like they, uh, I, I see when I worked in the factory, I'd see people coming in and they would, they, you know, they'd come in and they, they would talk about all this money that they wasted uh, at the casino or something like that. And then they would, they would come to, you know, then they'd be mad because they had to work every minute of the, their lives. This is, folks, this is just reality. 
people are out buying stuff that they can't afford because their neighbor has one or their friends have one and they want to keep up with the, the Joneses, so to speak. You know, all these but you see, these are hard issues. The hard issues, these are hard issues the church shouldn't have. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so uh, what people uh, spend, what they waste life on, just in general, their pursuits, and, and be quite honest with you, in this country, most people's pursuits are either, is either relationship, relational, or it's money. A relationship because they're out of a relationship or they want a better one, and then it's money. And, and almost those two things are almost across the board, the, the bulk of things. Yeah. It really it come, comes down to the same heart issue. Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, time is ticking away, but we're getting there. Amen. Uh, it says here, verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but with God, for, uh, not, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. <clears throat> and then Peter brings up this truth. And this is certainly something that this rich young ruler could have said. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. I love that it says Peter began to say. Because it doesn't say what Peter finished saying. So I kind of get this impression. To me, it kind of sounds like this. This isn't scriptural, so you take it for what it's worth. If it doesn't sit right with you, throw it out. But it seems to me like Jesus kind of is like, Hold up, Peter. Yeah. Stop right there. Yeah. Amen? Then he explains the truth to them. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or farms, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will uh, receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Praise the Lord. So Jesus brought this truth clearly. See, he wasn't saying to the rich young ruler, give up everything you have and then continually give up everything you have and then you'll never have anything and just you have to live, live a vow of poverty. See, that's just twisted scripture, right? Not twisted sister. That was a band in the 80s. I'm talking about <laughs> twisted scripture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> well, we're not going to take it anymore, all right, guys? So, <laughs> Praise God. There's my boo. I miss that boo, brother. Let's see, I'm going to start calling you. No, that's not. <laughs> Still Doug. Praise God. Hallelujah. I love Doug. Everybody say hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to have Doug back in our presence. Amen. Glory to God. But uh, uh, twisted scripture, that's what it is. It's, it, see, I can't, I can't say it without thinking of it. <laughs> The song is going in my head, you know. Yeah, don't go listen to it or anything. It probably. Uh, uh, my gosh, I can't get. Up. No, I gotta go. Here we go. Get, get, get back into it here. But, uh, but Jesus was saying to him, he's like, 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 listen, this is the truth. You haven't left anything, because in my presence is the fullness of joy. In my at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. He was God. Praise the Lord. He was God showing us God. He was God showing us what God's will and desire was for life. Amen. He was leading us and giving us examples. He was like, see, this is the point that I'm trying to make. 
the things that, that, that you were restrained by are not the gospel. You know, so many people think that the gospel hinders us following, follow, well, if I, I have to give up in order to, that's how we look at everything, people in general, and that's a wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. You know, when the Bible says to give, he's not telling you to give because he wants you poor, he's give, telling you to give because he wants other people's ble people blessed and he wants you blessed too. When he says to love, he's not saying that, that, that he wants you hurt, he's saying love other people so they can see my love and you'll receive that in return. Yeah. Praise the Lord. When God was saying do good, he was saying do good because I do good to you. So you can do good to other people. You see what I mean? So it's, it's all, but when we have preferences, when we have to have things our way, when we have to have things built around us, and you always learn that in time. You don't typically learn that in a week, but you do learn that over time. Sometimes it's years. It takes years to see that in people. But where are people's hearts really? How do I know people are truly with me? And what I don't mean as a pastor, I just mean as a Christian, as a brother and sister in Christ. How do I know the people I can trust? Because they're the ones that run with me. Yeah. They're the ones that, 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 that don't always demand me to be something, but are willing to be, be a part of something, to be something too. You know what I mean? Like, do you realize there are things that you should expect out of your pastor? That is absolutely true. But don't expect me to run your life. Yeah. Don't expect me to be the one that, 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 that does all your work for the Lord. Don't expect me to give you all your direction from God. There will be some, certainly, but God will do a lot of things in you. Do you know there's so much of the work that doesn't get done just because people won't, they won't get out of their own preferences. This is why we say we got to stop looking at things a certain way. We have to start looking things through the eyes of the Lord. Start looking at things like, you know what, whether it's our job, whether it's, it's our life, whatever we're doing, stop chasing things. Listen, folks, I'm going to say something that could be really... Uh, eye-opening, sometimes the things that you're chasing are godly things. Sometimes they're things that could seem right. Do you know I could do that as a pastor? I could chase ministry very easily, but I'm not going to do that. I could chase, uh, you know, expansion and stuff like that, but I'm not going to do that. I could, I could chase, I see the need in the world. I could chase starting 50 churches, but I'm not going to do that. I'm following God. I'm going to follow him because, because what, he, what he's doing is what matters. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And this, uh, this is where I want to in Gen, or John 14, 1 through 2, 1 and 2. Glory to God. Preached on this a lot last night, but we're going to, there's something in the middle of the night. This is something that the Lord showed me. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. That's a choice you make. The troubling of the heart, if your heart is troubled, first sign that there's something you need to do. It is not something God is going to do for you. He is giving, giving you all the ability to deal with the heart, but it is up to you to deal with it. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. That's what the believe means. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Look at this. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, not, I, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Praise God. God is preparing a place. He has prepared a place for us already. This is not, again, I preached on this last night, and I'm not going to get into it right now because it's time to close, but this is not, uh, you know, this is not earthly or heavenly mansions. This is not some place in glory land. This is a place right here. 
God is preparing a place for us right here, right now. He's prepared that for us already. But we have to choose not to let our heart be troubled to walk in it. Amen? Amen? Life's pursuits are the things that cause you trouble. So don't pursue life's pursuits. Don't pursue, pursue life. Pursue God, and he will, he will infuse life into your presence. Pursue God. Do not pursue life. So if we can tie this message up in one phrase, pursue God, don't pursue life. If you're pursuing life, what are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? How can we afford this? How can we accomplish this? How can we conquer this? Pursuit of life. Pursue God. He's the one who has the answer. Amen? He's the one who has the guarantee. In his presence, and that's what you'll find, our pleasures forevermore.